It's a mailbag Monday. The season's over, but we're not. It's Locked on White Sox, and we're brought to you today by our friends at Built Bar. They're the best-tasting protein bar ever, and now the improved Built Bar is even delicious-er. They've got 18 amazing flavors, including nut and non-nut varieties. If you've got allergies, they've got caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. Those are some great new flavors that Built Bar has ready for you. And don't forget, they also have the 12 original flavors that you know and love. Coconut almond, peanut butter, banana bread, mint brownie, orange, toffee, almond, coconut, and of course, peanut butter brownie. That's like the 27 Yankees right there of protein bar flavors. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate. So if you're a chocoholic like me, they're great. They're soft and easy to chew. And most importantly, they're healthy. They're great if you're a health conscious guy or gal on the go. Great if you're looking to maintain or lose weight while also indulging in those delicious treats that we love so much. Because Built Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and great if you're on the keto diet. And right now, Built Bar has a special promotion for our Locked On listeners. They've got a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. So go to BuiltBar.com and use our promo code LOCKEDON. That's LOCKEDON, and you'll get $10 off of your next order. And if you hurry, you still can get that cooler. Use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. Built Bar is the best-tasting protein bar ever. Mailbag Monday, let's go. White Sox, White Sox, go, 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 go. Call your sons, call your daughters. Holy cow. You can put it on the board. Yeah. Oh, it's a perfect game. Run out, go. Grand slam. A White Sox winner and a world championship. Jimenez, he's your hero tonight. Thanks, Cubs. The dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know. Come with me, here. Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox Podcast with Tanny and Herb. Hello, and welcome back to Locked On Sox. This is Mailbag Monday. I am Herb Lawrence. With me is Chris Tannehill. Chris, how are you doing today? Oh, Herbie. The White Sox win. Oh, no, they didn't play. They, they, they were eliminated from postseason play. I just found that out. They were right killed. <laughs> yes. And set on fire while celebrating their birthday. Uh, yeah, doing just fine. Had a had a real shitty Sunday watching that Bears game, but uh, but we'll leave that to locked on Bears. Uh, you know, spent some time at the old Home Depot today with the family. And if you're a married man with children, there's nothing you love better than than going around and running errands on a Sunday with your family. Am I right? Am I right, guys and gals out there who have families? Oh boy, I'm glad there is time today to do <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, usually, yeah, usually. I don't know if we have enough time, um, but yeah, it, it was fine. How was how was your Sunday? Good? No, it wasn't at all. Um, <laughs> that Bears game is probably the reason why I'm so groggy. Like in the middle of that game, like the first quarter, I was like, ugh. This is a terrible game, and I'm tired as hell. I want to go to sleep, but I know I got to watch this thing. Yeah. As you guys don't know, we are both 670 to score producers. So, one of our duties is to know what happened in the game and to, you know, Chris is a great sound man and also, you know, he participates in the show of the Danny Parkett show. So, he needs to be cognizant of what happened if Danny's like, hey, that yeah. third quarter play, that's that was shitty. And Chris, like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. That would be kind of tough. So, same thing with me and Lawrence. So, I was like, I just got to stay up and bear through this garbage game. <laughs> Get it? <laughs> bear through it. Yeah. yeah, so that's was terrible. And then we went on a walk late night. We saw a possum, um, oh. scary possum. It did not play possum. It was just walking. It did, probably didn't even notice us, but I didn't want to see if it wanted to attack us or not. So we went around that some bitch. Yeah, pretty awesome possum then. Um, uh, what do you call it? Um, yeah, that Bears game... I th- was it just me? Like I hated the fact that it was that they pushed it back because Cam Newton got the Rona. Um, if I get the Rona, so they pushed the game back. And I think if you want to if you want to squash this coronavirus, this novel coronavirus, what I call it, uh, if you want to squash it to to nothingness. Just tell people wear your mask, or else they're gonna flex the Bears game to a primetime spot every week, and you will see this virus disappear like that. Because I hated that game in the three thirty spot. 
you know, you have you, you try to get as much in during the day as you can, but you also feel like you have more time than you actually do. And then when three o'clock rolls around and you're just kind of like done with it all, then here's the game and it's awful. It, that was like one of the worst Bears games I remember seeing in a long time. I don't in know. In history. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> like the other team, like Philip Rivers and them weren't doing well themselves. Right. It wasn't like they're like moving up. You know, the, the games they get their ass kicked. I'll take like an ass whooping. Pa- yeah, the Patriots <laughs> scoring 50 and the yeah. Packers scoring 50 on you. Like, at least the other teams executing at a high level. That's good. The defense, our defense wasn't that good. It wasn't that bad. Philip Rivers wasn't that good. He wasn't that bad. The same is the whole thing. And they're going to be touting their defense for shutting us down. I just think the Bears' offense is shit. Yeah. And our special teams is garbage. And our defense is mediocre. <laughs> I mean, he actually played pretty decent today. But whatever. It's like, oh, God. And I do like Greg Gumbo, but he's milk toast. And he was, so was pissed. He was pissed when they broke out those high school photos. I think I think he was legit upset. Like there's one thing where a broadcaster just be like, oh, 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 I can't believe you. <laughs> but he kept <laughs> he kept dwelling going back to those photos of him at De La Salle. He was not happy about that. <laughs> not, not proud to be a meteor. Yeah. I mean, who would? <laughs> I'm kidding, Beef Loaf. I know you are a meteor yourself. Oh man, I heard the yeah that uh, they're all meat eaters. Um, <laughs> what, so. Yeah, we'll, we'll get off the Bears here. All right. This Mailbag Monday edition of Locked on White Sox is brought to you by Postmates. Hey, when you need red wine at 4 p.m., sushi at 9 p.m., a breakfast burrito at 8 a.m., and ibuprofen at 10 a.m., Postmate it. Postmates is your personal food delivery, grocery delivery, whatever kind of delivery service all year round. Anything you're craving, Postmates can deliver. They're the largest on-demand network in the United States and offer delivery from all the restaurants, grocery, and convenience stores and traditional retailers you could possibly want or need. That's 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Postmates will bring you what you need within the hour. No more trips to the store. You don't even have to know where the store is. Postmates will find it and they'll deliver anything to you. Download the app for iOS or Android for free. Browse local restaurants, businesses, and track your delivery in real time. And now, for our Locked on White Sox listeners, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use promo code LOCKEDON. That's LOCKEDON for $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it. Postmate it. Download Postmates and save with code Locked On. All right, Herbie. Episode sixty of Locked On White Sox. We're we're gonna get to we're gonna we're gonna stop doing this bit uh, by opening day. Don't worry if you if you're one of those people that hates the bit where we what episode we are and you know corresponding to the jersey number of the White Sox players that wore the number. Uh, it, won't, it won't go on much longer. We have uh, forty numbers left here. Uh, so episode. I mean, we we already got like a couple of them that are already locked in yeah and when we get we get to 19 more we know that's gonna be my man's hose and <laughs> before that 74 we know that one's 72 down and of course and 99 we know who that's gonna be let's go obviously so number 60 this one's a slam dunk because we're we're prisoners of the moments please help let us out of this moment uh but did you, i forgot that nelson cruz was originally a white Sox back in 1997 how did they ever let him go <laughs> What jerks. He's been on the revenge tour ever since. <laughs> no, of I, course. It's a different Nelson diff- Cruz, folks. Yeah. I mean, and maybe in 1997, the Nelson Cruz that's still playing wasn't as good because I remember his early days and I was like, oh, it's all right. But yeah. nothing nothing great to write home about. He's kind of got that David Ortiz disease <laughs> where, you know, they, people just release him yeah. and then he becomes good. At, on another team, and then all the rest of the teams he plays for, I don't know why. But you better believe if if the Twins let him go, and the Sox sign Nelson Cruz, you better believe he's going to be trash next year. <laughs> if they bring him in to replace Edwin, you better believe that he's going to fall off that table quickly. Uh, but yeah, different Nelson Cruz altogether. This guy was a pitcher. Uh, year two thousand and two thousand and two, the Rockmeister, Rocky Biddle. A quick Rocky Biddle story. When I worked at the Jewel Osco on Addison and Broadway in my high school years, uh, I, I worked in the grocery department, and I was just, you know, that that's grocery department is like the the department of the store where it's, you're stocking all the shelves and stuff like that. You're not cashier or bagger. You're just stocking shelves all day and helping the customers out find things. And uh, Rocky Biddle came into the store 
uh, one day. And and, you're the only person who re- recognized oh, who Rocky Biddle was. No, 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 no. Uh, so what? R- Rocky Biddle came to the store and he was looking for the butcher shop. So I said, "Hey, Rocky Biddle." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you got it, Rocky Biddle. Like, I basically, like, you know, I didn't, I like, I wasn't like confident enough to call him because Hawk was calling him the Rockmeister. Like, I was like, yeah, no, absolutely, man. I was like, that was a great save you had the other day because back then he was like, you know, the closer. Um, he, he came over from the Expos, I believe, or did he go? To, or did he go to the Expos in the Cologne trade? I don't remember. He went it, to the Expos. yeah. Okay, so yeah, so Rocky Biddle was the Sox closer for a couple years, and uh, so I, I sent him back to the butcher shop where uh, my guy Ralph was working. He's a big-time Sox fan, so he recognized him too right away. So think of your Rocky Biddle and you're walking to a Jewel Osco. What are, like, what are the chances – in Wrigleyville, no no, no less. Like, you, What are the chances you think that two people are going to recognize you? <laughs> so he goes back to the butcher shop, and I, I told my guy Ralph, who was working back there, I was like, hey, man, I just sent Rocky Biddle back towards you. Uh, so be on the lookout for Rocky Biddle. Take care of him when he comes back there. So he gets his autograph like, on a, on a, one of those, uh, you know, when you buy steak or seafood, you know, the plastic tray that comes with, with the steak or seafood underneath. So he signed one of those for my guy, Ralph, and uh, he, he came back my way on his way out. And I was like, hey, man, uh, nice meeting you. Go get him today or whatever the hell I said. Um, <laughs> they may have been playing the Cubs that day. I don't remember. But, yeah, Rocky Biddle. Literally sucked. the only time he's ever been noticed <laughs> yeah, in his whole life. That's fine. But you know what? He probably... You know that that this was yeah this had to have been oh one oh two because I wasn't there and no I was there in two thousand this may have been his rookie year like knowing me socks meatball for Lizife that might have been his rookie year and he may have went home and be like hey babe did you they recognize me at the jewel today and in Wrigleyville no less so yeah. felt good about himself <laughs> yeah. he's like man I'm coming I'm coming around guys <laughs> yeah. finally get some shine getting the respect I wanted yeah that jewel that I worked at that was like the who's who. Of, uh, of baseball players because it was right by Wrigley. So all these players who lived like on Lakeshore Drive, like, you know, it wasn't far from Broadway. So half the Cubs roster was in there. Antonio Alfonseca would come in there wearing sandals. Sandals for the guy with with uh, six fingers. Did he get six toes? Yes, he did. He was not six toe Sanchez, but he, he, he was uh, <laughs> Antonio Alfonseca. He had six toes. Todd Walker would come in there. Um, you remember uh, he had a single too, probably while I was in there. <laughs> oh, he wasn't single in there. He, 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 he always had a couple of friends with him. Um, you remember Juan Cruz, like the six uh, dude, y- the yeah. skinny uh, cub. Yeah. yeah, he was always coming in there. Pitcher? Like him and his like girlfriend were always arguing. Um, yeah, man. So like there was a you know a lot a lot of athletes that come in there because of the proximity to Lakeshore Drive. So that was a fun times. Oh, and Minnie Minoso was. A frequent customer. Uh, that was his neighborhood jewel, and I used to go in there and and, and talk with Minnie all the time. Like if you like, I would like low key follow Minnie Minoso around the store to see if he needed help finding anything, and then eventually he would ask for something. Then I'd walk him over. I would never walk customers over to the aisles like they tell you to do. I'd just give him pretty pretty concise directions on how to get there but with mini i'd always w- walk mini right over because he used to just like casually just stroll through the aisles like he'd come in practically every day like you know mm-hmm. he's a senior citizen they like to go in the store and shop and just hang out so i would help mini minoso to, to his items and uh my mom used to work at the same store and she used to say that mini would sign his checks uh the greats mini the great minoso like when he would sign the <laughs> check i was like this guy is awesome and uh, even Bill Melton used to shop there too. Yeah, yeah, where's yeah? <laughs> He'd come in there after his after his jog. So yeah, it was that was a who's who of uh, of uh, baseball uh, people at, at that jewel. So I had fun times working there. Anyway, yeah, I met Minnie at the uh, Sluggers a couple times. Oh yeah, Minnie's. I, yeah. I took a picture one time with them at Sluggers <laughs> after a batting session. I yeah. was like, oh, Minnie Minosa's just chilling out here. Let me get my old style and take a picture with him real quick. Yeah, should be in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. I agree wholeheartedly. So yeah. Um, yeah, so that there, there's the Rocky Biddle episode of Locked On Sox. No, but uh, number sixty also worn by um, uh, some all time uh, all time people, Frankie Montas, <laughs> the the winner in the uh, division or the uh, wild card clinching game against the Sox. We shan't mention his mm-hmm. name. Uh, Daniel Webb, rest in peace. Wore number sixty. Um, Jimmy Gunn's last year wore number sixty. 
And then it literally Tyler Danish. Yeah. And then with Jimmy guns, the number literally fell off his body after all the innings he pitched. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, Deontay Heath. There's an all time that guy for a white Sox. Uh, you know, Herb, remember we used to throw Heath bars out on the mound when he'd come in for a big, big, <laughs> for a big hold in the middle of a ball game. Oh, it was great. That was a great, a- that was a great gimmick. <laughs> Scott Schoen wise, Dewan yeah. Day. I mean, yeah. good good people. I mean, in our old, you know, criteria for picking this episode number, there isn't a two thousand five person. It skipped. No. Scott Schoen wise wrote award in two thousand three and four. It wasn't get worn again until D Day wore it in two thousand seven. <laughs> D Day. Um, um, so yeah, but obviously all roads lead to who's sporting it right now, and that's of course Dallas Keuchel. Who but would, I will I will present you with another one. I know ahead. Dallas is the front runner. Um, in our old tradition, where we say this guy led to this guy, okay. and if that guy was a 2005 White Sox, I know where you're going with this, and I I skipped over him, but yeah, Matt Karchner, right? Yes, yeah. Matt Karchner wore it in 1995. I don't believe he wore it uh, for most of his White Sox career, but he did wear it for one year, and he was 47 the rest of the times. I think we said this about Matt Karchner also on episode number 47, but I would say since he only did it for one year, it was a sterling year in 1995, um, he would be qualified. But, yeah, I think at the end of the day, even though it's a short season, having Dallas Keuchel have this episode is all the things that we would be espoused to, right? Our our criteria wrote, would go right to Dallas Keuchel, right? Yeah, I, I think so. And I'll ask you this question and leads perfectly in, into uh, one of the first questions we got uh, on social media that is actually a, a good starting point here. Do you think uh, Dallas Keuchel will win a World Series uh, during his White Sox tenure? I think Dallas Keuchel is signed for a four-year thing, right? Four-year deal? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yes, he okay. will win a World Series in his White Sox career. I'll say that. Okay, so this question was was posed by a gentleman by the name of Matthew Clippert on Twitter, at mclippert15. He, uh, he threw this out to a bunch of people yesterday, but we were the first ones to bite. Um, he goes, hey, Tanny and Herb, would you guys be happy with the next six years of White Sox baseball if they played out similar to the Cubs last six years? Okay, so... For those of you who hate the Cubs or don't like to acknowledge their accomplishments, uh, they were just uh, eliminated from postseason play. A very uninspiring finish to their season after coming out of the gates red hot at 13-3. and um, I, You know, not what they wanted to do this year, but they still won their division. But going back to 2015, so that was uh, Theo Epstein's fourth year uh, after taking over in 20, uh, after 2011 season. 2015... Cubs were in the NLCS. They didn't win their division, but of course they famously won that play-in game against the Pirates, beat mm-hmm. the Car- beat the Cardinals in the division series, and ultimately lost to a very good Mets team in 2015. All right, swept. Yes, yes, they were swept. Uh, yeah, and 2016 famously breaking the 100 uh, something year curse of of uh, the Billy Goat, and they won the World Series in 16. Uh, basically, wire to wire. One of the great all-time great defensive teams, just a, an amazing team, top to bottom. Uh, very few flaws there. Uh, they needed a little help in Game Seven of the World Series. A little rain delay, a little luck broke their way, but hey, they were due at that point. I like to believe. Uh, Twenty seventeen, they win their division, but they lost to the Dodgers uh, in the NLCS. Uh, of course, remember you Darvish that year leading the Dodgers uh, there, and they ended up losing to the Astros in the World Series when they were cheating their asses off. Uh, Twenty eighteen. Cubs get 95 wins, second place in their division, a pretty good year, but they end up losing in, uh, to the Rockies in a play-in game. Now, 2019, third place, no playoffs. So that's like the the, the lone blemish uh, in in their championship window, or just where just nothing. And then, of course, this year they win their division. So that's a lot of success for any team. Uh, it's unprecedented mm-hmm. in Chicago baseball history for sure. And as far as, you know, just teams go, that's that's a pretty good six-year run if you're any team out there. And so this question was asked, if you could take that for the White Sox to have it play out similar to the Cubs, would you take it? And your answer, Herb, was? I would be ecstatic if that happened with the White Sox. Like, absolutely through the roof if the White Sox turned into what the Cubs have been in these six seasons. Unbelievably successful team. I mean, I think we discussed it on, and you went into detail, so I'll let you speak for yourself. 
to win that many. Like they won the division, let's see, three times in the six years. Went to the playoffs five times in six years. Going to the playoffs, people, and especially going to the playoffs when they were going to the playoffs, not this year. Like when there was only 10 teams, a third of the teams going to the playoffs and they went to the playoffs five of the six years. Amazing. Outstanding. Yeah, I'll take the fuck out of that. And to go to three straight LCSs, win one a World Series, and be in the tournament, be in the thing that allows you to compete where baseball is like unlike all the rest of the sports where the cream rises to the top usually for other sports and it's usually the favorites that mostly win. Baseball's a crapshoot. Like you can get a hot pitcher and you could ride that pitcher into a championship. We've seen it with the Marlins twice. They haven't lost a playoff series in their history. They have never won a division. Just get into the tournament and win. And they still haven't lost a, a playoff series. It's it's a crapshoot. And you allow yourselves to get into the tournament. That is a success for me. And this Cubs thing, and people want to talk about multiple championships. It's tough to win this championship. And I think your answer, what you gave a long, extensive answer, was really uh, spoke to what that is, Tanny. Oh, thanks. Um, oh, shucks. So basically, what I said was, you know, obviously I would take it because, especially in baseball, where nothing is guaranteed. You know, if you have. There's no equivalent in baseball to what basketball has where if you have LeBron James with a little help and you're going to guarantee uh, a spot in the, in the championship round every single year. With baseball, obviously, that's that's not a thing. Uh, it's really hard to maintain success in baseball, so I, hell yeah, I would take it. Um, I think if you asked a Cub fan back in 2011 when Theo Epstein was up there with Tom Ricketts doing the, the opening press conference after after they took over, um, I think Cub fans would take that. But the, the thing that probably irritates Cubs fans is they had their success a little too early. Now that that group still has one more year left in their in their window and we're going to probably talk about them as the offseason progresses because it's going to kind of shape the uh, the power balance across baseball if they decide to strip all their parts down, but I think they had their success too early and you know maybe it wasn't too early because they had great acquisitions like Ben Zobrist, who they clearly missed uh, every, every time, every year after that, when they didn't have Ben Zobrist in their lineup or he wasn't healthy or when he had to take a leave of absence because of personal issues, like they obviously missed him. So maybe it was a perfect storm and they were able to capitalize while he was there. But if you ask them in 2011, would you guys take this if you're a Cubs fan? I think they would say yes, obviously. Um, you know, this is not a sport set up for dynasties, like like you said. Um, you know, obviously I would sign up for that for a White Sox fan because, you know, you, you just you got to get one. But ultimately what I, what I would like for the White Sox is, yes, obviously a World Series soon, sooner than later. Um, but what I really want for them to do is to have something set up where all of a sudden you rival the Cardinals as far as how you run your organization. And no matter what free agents you acquire or what free agents depart or what people you have to trade, you're always in the mix and people always, you know, sort of undermine you and you fly under the radar and you're right there competing. Uh, you're always in the playoffs, seemingly, if you're the Cardinals. And I want the White Sox to be at that level where, first and foremost, they solidify their Latin American pipeline and they can keep mm -hmm. churning out Latin American talent because obviously it's the lifeblood of this game. And I still don't think it's where it needs to be for the White Sox. Yeah, they have the Cuban connection. And that's all well and good, but you know you need something in in a little more fortified in the Dominican Republic, in other areas of Latin America where where other players come from, you know Curacao and you know anywhere really, you know. So I, I, they need to to fortify that to keep the lifeblood of their organization going, young talent churning in and out constantly, and then also improve their scouting and development and their minor league system. And I know that's tough without a minor league system this year, but I think. You know, they did a pretty good good job of that this year, calling up guys like Hoyer and Matt Foster, and they're able to use those guys to help their team this year. So I so I'm willing to give them a little more leeway on that. It seems like they know what they're doing uh, a little bit. Um, I, I'm curious to see how their current crop of draft picks play out over the next couple of years, and uh, we'll get to some of their recent draft picks uh, later on in this week and maybe even tomorrow. But yeah, I, I want them to have sustained success where you never have to worry about them 
tearing the thing down to the studs and rebuilding ever again, to be honest with you. And if, if a World Series come, doesn't come with that, that's fine, I guess. But if you're giving yourself opportunities, bites at the apples, we like to say, then you're going to be in good shape. And ultimately, you may just get lucky and, and win one one year, you know, when you don't have the best talent. But if you keep churning out players and, and you keep that pipeline going, and because I worry about the Sox right now, they're a little little top heavy. I, w- I wouldn't even call them top heavy anymore because all your best guys are on the big league team. So I worry mm-hmm. about their future, let's say 10 years from now, like when when Eloy and Robert are gone and Moncada has gone and what do you have left after that? So what, the, what they do the next few years is going to be really important if to see if this team is really going to be a team that's competitive year in and year out. And I still have my worries about that for the White Sox. But there, you can only control the window you're in now, and hopefully they can capitalize. And this offseason is, is a big part of that. So, yeah, the Cubs averaged 94 wins for the five years, and that include this one, this last year. Yeah, give me that. Sign me up for that. And there hasn't been a repeat champion since 2000. The Yankees, the last time they won back to back to back championships. So, since then, no one's won a back to back championship. It's really, really hard to do it. The team that won it last year is not even in the playoffs, and it was so easy to make the playoffs this year while the Washington Nationals are sitting at the crib. So you give me the chance to get into the tournament every year, sign me up every day. And if the White Sox are that lucky to be what the Cubs are, man, you I mean, we're not we're not guaranteed all this stuff, guys. Yeah, we have a nice, fresh, young, talented team but we're not guaranteed to make it to the playoffs every year. Injuries happen. Uh, you could see we don't have enough pitching to sustain for 162. Yeah, it's good to have Dylan Cease and Dane Dunning, but are they going to be studs? Are they going to go out and get some players this year? These things are still up in the air. If you sign me up for this, for what the Cubs success, I'll take it every day and twice on Sunday, 100%. Give me that. Absolutely. Should we get to the bag, Herb? Let's do it. A lot of emails. We're going to try to get to some. There's another email. I love email. All right. I've had this bag sitting here all week in my basement. It's starting to get a little mildewy. (laughs) If you like email, like Hawk does and like we do, then you should send us an email. Uh, Just because the season's over doesn't mean we're, we're not still recording and taking your questions because... Odd things happen throughout the course of a baseball postseason and an offseason where you may want to reach out and say, hey, guys, what do you think about this? How can they do that, Herb? Lockedonsocks at gmail.com. That is Lockedonsocks at gmail.com. Yeah, you're watching a game. You see that this guy at the A's are sticking it up the Astros <laughs> or whatever. And you're like, man, why couldn't we do this? Or yeah, why is this guy available? Or I why worry. is this? I worry about that, like that the that the A's are really going to take it to the Astros, and if 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 all of a sudden Sox fans are going to go back and like, man, if they would have just started so and so in Game Three, or if they wouldn't have made this move out of the bullpen, like they could. Be, I mean, it's going to happen. Look at, what the, look at the Padres did. The Padres did what the White Sox aspired to do. They started. They play. They had the worst bullpen guy out there, Craig Stammen, started in Game Three. And they went nine pitchers in nine innings and got a shutout versus the Shut out. I mean, <laughs> that's what the White Sox are trying to do. I mean, Jace Tingler's a genius, and while well, Ricky Rensery is not. I mean, the <laughs> shit worked out for the Padres because the Cardinals are not as good. But whatever. I mean, we're going to see some things that were like, man, if we could have been down there in L.A. whooping and stomping on the Astros and beating on garbage cans the whole time down there. <laughs> but what could have, should have. Send us your emails at LockedOnSocks at gmail.com Man. if you see something you like. Oh, to be one of those people that live in that condo overlooking Petco Park. Mm. Yankees, Yankees Rays, baby. It's going to be a real series. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna, pro- we're gonna go over those. We'll give give our predictions for the uh, for the rest of the postseason after we're done with this bag. But I was just saying, like, to be one of those people that live in the condo in, in like overlooking the ballpark, like the Padres had a bit of a home field advantage in that game a little bit. I was watching it on Friday night. Like you mm-hmm. could you could feel the vibes, babe. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that that looked fun, and then they were acting like they won the World Series right after that. You know, tough times for people in San Diego. You know, you live you you live in a in a D class city. <laughs> <laughs> and you have nothing to be nothing to be happy about ever, and you know, but they it's were always very rainy happy. and shit. Yeah, yeah, I know, but they looked very happy, and they were doing like you know a very non 
safe uh, parade of, uh, of automobiles there in the downtown area. But uh, I did see that in the gas lamp. <laughs> Not yeah. very socially distant. Come on, oh, San Diego. Get yeah. smart. Come on, man. All right. Uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about the playoffs in a little bit. But uh, first email today, I'm not leading off with Pete Hand anymore because we let it off with Pete Hand last week and the White Sox are out of the postseason. So I'm not saying that's on you, Pete, but that's on you, Pete. Um, <laughs> Mike Victor writes in, you know, things were the Sox were rocking and rolling when we were leading off with Mike Victor here. Um, hey, guys, love spending the season with you and definitely will be there during the offseason. Thank you. Tell a friend. Uh, the White Sox fire is back, and hopefully this is just the beginning. I love the dominance of Giolito in Game 1 and that absolute bomb from Robert in Game 3, which was more impressive in the long run. The homer got me jacked, but I think Giolito dominating in his first playoff start bodes well for him in future Game 1s. Silly question, but I'm choosing these two moments to remember 2020 by. Talk soon. Uh, thank you, Mike. And uh, we'll, we'll get to these two moments in our top 20 of 2020 in the next episode. Yay, yay, yay of Lockdown of White Sox. So, uh, Herb, which of those two moments uh, uh, give give us a little preview of the, the top 20 of 20? Do you, like, Which one do you, I guess, put most weight behind? What, what do you value more coming out of that wild card loss to the A's? The Lucas Giolito start. I mean, it's got to be. The man dominated in a lineup. Uh, that you saw that can do a little damage versus our team. So Lucas shut those people down, and that's, that's what made me feel so confident. I was like, man, on his first playoff start, he just came out there and did the job and killed these people. So, yeah, that unmistakably is the – well, out of those two, yeah. that would be my favorite of uh, those two in the playoffs. I have to I have to agree, man. I mean, you know, we talked about it so much that we I don't know we didn't doubt Lucas Giolito, but that's that's a big deal to have a guy who has experience now starting a game one of a series and all the expectations that come with it and then delivering. So you have to think like he's gonna be able to go out there again starting from opening day in twenty twenty one where you know he'll know exactly how to handle the situation and he'll be able to be the guy that they depend on all year all year long and then in the postseason too that that means a lot you know the the experience is going to mean a lot for a lot of these guys but succeeding in in those spots like goes even further uh to their development and their confidence so yeah i would, I would have to agree with you right there it, he he really just shocked me uh, I, I would say in, in that that moment in game one so uh, i'm in agreement with you so thank you mike for checking in and uh next question uh, comes from Pete Hand, so uh, <laughs> so we don't have to wait long for Pete's question here. Hello, my name is Mr. Hand. Pete asked this. Uh, my question has to do with Ricky. I've been on the, these were sent before Game Three, by the way. For, just for, let the record show. So my question has to do with Ricky. I've been on the fence with him, but I admit that the use of Yolmer Sanchez to pitch during the Friday Cubs game in the final weekend of the regular season lost me. Am I often when I what I say when I'm starting to use the Bulls analogy is Ricky the A to B manager with the new manager needed to go from B to C uh, World Series championship? Great show as always. So all right, Herb is uh, Ricky uh, just the the guy before you get the guy in terms of uh, a manager? Maybe I I would have no problems. You guys know me. I don't I don't dig Ricky that much. So if they were to dismiss him. Eventually, I'll be like, I'm good with that. It's fine. And but I just don't know the guy that is a Phil Jackson type. I don't know the guy that is the equivalent of that basketball coach who is a cerebral, cerebral man, knows the game, knows how to get the players in their best position. And then also, you know, uh, you know, harness the, the best player into even better by just you know challenging him and uh, making him uh, work a little harder, things like that. If there's a guy out there that can do the job that Phil Jackson did for Michael Jack, Jack Michael Jackson. The king of pop was a musician. I loved his work. The other things, not so much. Allegedly. Michael Jordan <laughs> and Scottie Pippen, B.J. Armstrong, John Paxson, all those guys. I'm all for it. I'm all for doing things different because the traditional, you got to hire a guy that played base, um professional baseball manager i'm tired of that if we're gonna be saying managers in game are very vital and important and you need to be looking at this analytically and such let's hire some people with some analytical backgrounds hire joe sheen hire guys with actual numbers 
uh, in, as their background that know the matchups and stuff like that. Let's go that route instead of the, I think there's only been seven or eight people who have never played professional baseball and have also been uh, baseball, professional baseball managers. So it's not a lot. And I think we need to change the game in that regard. And I know people like, well, they won't respect that guy. Who cares? I mean, you get a bench coach that's a, a typical manager type of guy, and he'll do that job. For the in-game stuff, I want a person that knows the numbers. I want a person that puts the team in the best situations analytically with the numbers, not not just gut feelings. I want, hey, this guy hits him at a clip that is very low, so let's put this guy versus that guy and put ourselves in the best statistical advantage we can. If it, he gets a hit, he gets a hit, but otherwise let's let's uh, play the numbers. That type of thing, I'll be all for but otherwise, is there a guy out there that is available and can lead a team from point B to point C? I don't see one. I'm never. And if you guys are suggesting that AJ Hinch garbage or that Alex Cora garbage, never, ever, 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 ever on my team, ever. Wow. Um. All right. There, there's a lot there, uh, you know. And after this thing has been given time to to digest that this White Sox loss, like I, I feel the momentum here still. And we talked about this a few weeks ago, where I I think it's I think it's coming. I, I you know I I don't know if Ricky's going to be here next year. The the thing I want to know is, and hopefully Rick Hahn will speak. I don't know if he's going to wait till. You know, after the postseason to speak, but you, usually he'll give like a state of the union address for the White Sox. I want to know what went into it, rolling out Dane Dunning to start that game and giving him the quick hook like they did. You know, it didn't make sense from from either aspect. It didn't make sense starting him because of all the things we talked about coming back from Tommy John, and he didn't look like himself leading up into that. And then giving him just such a quick hook, and it really changed the the ripple effect for the rest of that game. So I would like to know, like you would think that's. That's a collaborative effort, right? Effort. Like that's yeah. Coop, Renteria, Rick Hahn, all the people are involved in, in saying who starts that game, right? You would think 100%. That? Okay. I don't think Ricky gets the the go-ahead on Dane Dunning without input from Coop and from Rick Hahn at least, at the very least. Yeah, so, you know, I I would like to see – what what the pie chart of blame is on that situation uh, when when Rickon t- talks about that if that was a collaborative effort or not because I think that's a totally different game based on what happens after that first inning right there you know if you don't have to use certain guys in certain situations and I know they had a lot of things that didn't break their way with with uh, with Garrett Crochet there that changes things I think they were going to go with him for a couple innings and everything was out of whack after that but it all started with yanking Dane Dunning so early and having him out there to begin with so. Look, I'm I'm looking to upgrade any position possible uh, for the White Sox, and that includes coaching staff and manager. But right now, we don't know who's available. I'm not just going to say fire him just because. But if you can make a significant upgrade, where you know when you do your your exit interviews with your players and 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 they give you some intel, and and they you know you can learn a lot from those interviews. So if all of a sudden things point to you know what I think a better tactician. Or, you know, just someone a little younger that can help relate or just someone who has better experience in the postseason. If that if that's available to us, then I think they should exercise that option because now it's it's not a cute, you know, death to the rebuild thing anymore. Now it's, you're, you're playing for real now and you're playing to win divisions and to stay out of uh, wild card games and play in games. And, and you're trying to put yourself in the best spot to win a World Series. So if that means having a different guy wearing your your managerial baseball pants then that it is what it is but I'm really curious to see what Rick Hahn has to say at his end of the year uh, zoom chat I guess that they'll do so uh yeah thanks Pete uh but yeah that the, the whole thing with Yolmer out there uh you know that was the crux of what 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 spurred your email yeah that was that was kind of embarrassing you know uh it, I, it's, I know that happens all the time where you have your position player out there but then you have Javi Baez out there hitting left-handed you know, it just it didn't seem like the right tone at the time that you're trying to achieve for a team heading into the postseason. But ultimately, we talked about, you know, turning the page and none of it ended up mattering, I don't think, because they started the postseason with the exact intensity that we thought we needed from them. T.A. was hitting. 
and guys were were hitting for the most part. They just didn't get the big hit when they needed it. But you know, I I, I like their attitude once the postseason started. So maybe this shit doesn't matter as much as we say it was. At least as far as that instance with Yomer out there pitching. But yeah, that was that was a clown show, and, and I wasn't a huge fan of it. So all right. Thank you, Pete, once again. Next one here from our guy, John Ye Kest, the Baconator loving John Ye Kest. I uh, hope, hope your arteries are unclogged after a tough week. Uh, I write this riding high from game one of the wild card series. It's, it's always fun looking back at these emails and seeing where people's heads are at. Uh, knowing the Sox will have limited funds going into free agency, and after what we've seen this year from Engel, would you consider rolling the dice and making him the everyday right fielder? Even if he bats 250, you get a gold glove defender, and this could free up potentially $15 million, which may have been set aside to pay someone like Springer, uh, plus money hopefully set aside to, play, to pay another starting pitcher. In my opinion, I'd stick with Engel and Wright, allowing that payroll flexibility to go after two big starting pitchers, Bauer and Stroman, or whichever two starting pitchers you prefer. So that way the, line, the uh, rotation would be Giolito, Bauer, Keuchel, Stroman, and C slash Dunning. He just has, in all caps, nasty. Thanks, boys. Baconators on me when we advance to the next round. Oof. This did not age well, John Yekest. You know, I didn't look at this email, but now you may have jinxed them. Uh, so, all right. So, what do you think? Uh, angle and right field every day. You say goodbye to, to Nomar. But first of all, does no one's asked this question, but I'm going to ask you. Does your opinion, has it changed of Nomar after seeing his performance in the wild card series there, does that change your decision making going into the off season, what you do with him? No, absolutely not. He played much better and he gave him his props when he did well, but I don't see him as an everyday right fielder that you're going to depend on with the white Sox. You can hide a player that doesn't do a lot like Nomar Mazzara. He's proof. Uh, and maybe, <laughs> and maybe next year, a year out of COVID, a uh, year comfortable in Chicago, a whole 162. Hopefully, you get the 20 home runs he usually hits in Texas, which is still not enough. But you say, okay, that's the same guy that we were expecting from Texas. Fine. It's fine. And you shrug your shoulders. But I like John Ye's thing. Like, if we're not going to be getting a big time right fielder. I myself would prefer one and one. I would prefer the right fielder and the starting pitcher. But if they're saying, Hey, you know, I said it before in episodes, I think Rick has a thing with Jerry where Jerry's like, you have, this is your budget. Spend it as you see it, but it's no more on past that. This is your number. And if he has a certain number where he has to spend on one position or the other, I would rather him spend it on starting pitching and go all out, all out of salt on getting Trevor Bauer. And Trevor Bauer is the perfect pitcher to get because he doesn't want the long-term deal like other pitchers do. He wants two, three years so he can get another bite of the apple in two, three years so he can maximize his earning potential. I've seen one of- year. I've seen people say one year. Yeah, and so, yeah, I, I'm in. Yeah, absolutely. S- sign them. Yeah, and Jerry's like, don't sign any pitchers the past four years. And <laughs> Trevor Brown is right on that same wavelength. So let's sign that guy 100%. A full court press, whatever it takes to get that guy. As you've seen this year, he is a premium pitcher. We need that. We need a, another top-of-the-rotation guy. And if if it's just the starting pitcher, I can deal with having Adam Engel and what he has done. I mean, his bat is improved for if he gives us 130 of 130 games of just minimum batting, like minimum level batting. So replacement level batting and still does the outfield thing where he's a plus outfielder and doesn't have a right fielder's arm. But seriously, I don't think we'll miss that much because his defense in right is so strong and also paired with Luis Robert. I'll be fine with that. I would I would not prefer it, but I would be fine with him getting the shot that he got a couple of years ago where he was way too early and not developed as a hitter at all. So um, if we go that way, I'll be much happier than if we went just to the George Springer way and then uh, came back and say, hey, we got – Kopech coming back. We got Dunning coming back. We got Cease going back. We got Raylo coming back. So we're just going to go with those guys and go with our two top guys in Giolito and Keiko and see where we're at. 
I would not like that at all. That would not do it for me. I think that team comes back still as a third place team in the AL Central. You need to you need to force this thing. You need to strike while the iron's hot and go and get you a top notch starter like Trevor Bauer. I know he's going to be hotly you know sought after, but you can't lose this one. Yeah, I, I agree with that, and you know, I, I think even over you, you'd have to have uh, someone much smarter than I to give you the answer on this. But over a one sixty two, like, doesn't Engel's defense isn't that more valuable per se than Mazzara's marginal bat? Uh, over, yes. uh, you know what I mean? Like when you have a lineup this deep, and I know not you can't guarantee health for everyone, but on a normal day and everyone's healthy, like this is a lineup that, like you said, you can you can hide a, a, a not the strongest bat, but also, do you trust maybe that Adam Engel like is gonna get marginally better next year? Like you know, slow incremental improvement, but you know the defense is gonna be rock solid, and and if you're gonna build this thing, build up your starting pitchers a little bit, and. You know, I think having him out there for an entire year may be beneficial to you and your pitching staff. But yeah, I agree about Bauer, man. Like that's, you know, baseball's uh, first mercenary, you know, year to year, team to team, just trying to get as much money before he, he calls it a wrap, like more power to you. But yeah, I would love him. He would fit so perfectly. You wouldn't have to do videos about TA anymore. Um, you know, it's a, it, would, it would be it would be good for the Sox Q rating, but also it would, it would be awesome for them in their rotation. It's exactly what they need. They'd, they'd be a better team with him immediately, and you wouldn't have to pay prospect collateral. You wouldn't have to part with C's Dunning or Kopech to get uh, someone like, you know, Jacob DeGrom or Noah Syndergaard and any, any pitcher out there who may be on, on the trade market. You know, you wouldn't have to part with your young guys because this, this year showed you anything. You need depth. You need a guy that's going to be able to go out there and make a start for you when you, when you have these double headers and guys get hurt and, you know, so, you know, look no further than that game on uh, on Thursday. Uh, you need depth. It always, always matters. No one ever cried about, you know, having too much pitching. So, yeah, so try to pay for Bauer and let the, you know, and you know you're going to be on a tight budget. But also they're talking about, you know, expanding the postseason once again so they can soften that blow for the owners. Uh, and so they're, they're not losing as much as they did uh, this year. So, you know, it's a really critical offseason for the White Sox, man. Like, you know, it, it makes if, – if they don't move correctly, you know, you won't have to pay Edwin. Edwin and his parrot are gone. Call mm-hmm. up – Andrew Vaughn can be your DH if you'd like. Uh, if you want a more, you know, proven commodity, so be it. But I'd be cool with rolling the dice with Andrew Vaughn because, he, you know, he, he's a, a different dimension to the lineup. Like, he's more of a contact guy, not necessarily all home runs all the time. I'd be cool with adding that dimension. You know, you pair him up with Madrigal, and all of a sudden you got a little diversity in your lineup right there in terms of different types of profile hitters. So if you want to do that, do that. You're saving money there. Let go of Nomar. You know, save some money there. Um, keep Engel there and throw your money at Trevor Bauer and, you know, fill up the other holes as you see fit. But, yeah, we're, we're on board with that, man. Trevor Bauer all the way. And we're really going to – that's going to be the number one thing about this offseason for us when we do these shows is we're going to monitor – the Trevor Bauer sweepstakes and he was tweeting at people today you know um some Cub fan was asking him like if we can guarantee you get one million more YouTube subscribers will you come to the Cubs and he he asked can you guarantee this you know what I mean so he's gonna have a lot of fun with it on social media so don't, don't be surprised if you see him link to the White Sox out there on social media just with him just having fun with it and getting as much awareness to about his contract as possible because it's all good if you're in the business of Trevor Bauer so uh thank you John Ye but uh yeah it's it's critical offseason as I was saying because if you don't make the right moves to really, really make this team a World Series contender, it makes last year's offseason totally pointless. So you have to keep going, and you know, to, to be a World Series champion, you got to pay the price. And unfortunately for the White Sox and their their payroll, it happened during a pandemic where they, where they all of a sudden they got good. So it is what it is. But uh, you know, the options are available to you if if you choose to open up the wallet. So thank you, Johnny, as always, for being one of our great listeners throughout the whole season uh next one coming in here steve in arlington heights steve asks this fellow commiserates in parentheses bernstein word thank you very much uh today's loss reminded me of a hockey game where puck luck decides the outcome a bad bounce grounder goes for two runs a guy flies into the fence and denies an extra base hit an ump makes an outrageous bad call on a 3-2 pitch a sharply hit ball right at the right fielder for a final out at least we 
preserved our best bullpen arms for game three and maybe Eloy will return. <laughs> isn't, <laughs> isn't this nauseating uh, fun? Oh, Steve, that was obviously after game two's loss in Oakland. Sorry, Steve, but it did not transpire that way. But I, I think you know, Steve's right. You know, I, I think if they they had a, a few great plays that the A's did in that series, you talk about that ball hit to Canna. Uh, from Moncada, where all of a sudden that's a different game if that one's just out of his reach or if it just pops out of the glove. And then you had that great play by Listella made in game three, you know, that almost got through for a hit where, you know, ball pops out of his glove and he ends up catching it as he's falling down, you know, like little things like that. Sometimes it's just, not, it's really not your year. Um, and putting the ball in play is, is usually a good thing. But, you know, Sometimes the luck just doesn't go your way. So I, I think Steve's point there still largely holds true, even though the Sox did not hold on uh, and, and and convert a Game 3 victory there. But, uh, you know, I, I think we're in agreement there. Like, you know, I, I'm not upset with the way the Sox played, with the way they battled all season and in that, that, that series versus Oakland particularly. You know, I, I think they – they gave it a good fight, but but ultimately, you know, they they got experience out out of it. So I think that was a net positive for them. Um, they're not playing in the postseason now, but uh, there are some interesting teams here, Herbie. When you uh, when you talk about the postseason, we got the first game start tonight, uh, Monday night. You have A's versus Astros at three o'clock Central. Um, so who do you have in that series, Herb? A's versus Astros. Who are you rooting for, and who do you think will win? I'm definitely rooting for the A's, and I think the A's are a better team, too. I'm not too sold on that Astros outfit. Even though they're coming around, they're doing better things than they did in their regular season. I'm 100% behind these A's. After seeing them, I think we woke up a couple of bats. Uh, Mark Simeon looks deadly. Um, That can of thing is decent. And um, they they took down one of their best hitters, Lamb, in like the third damn inning for another guy who's terrible, Pender, but he's he apparently crushes left-handers this year, and he had a great game in game three. So that, that whole outfit is with a bunch of just above-average players who get the job done. Like, there's nothing on that team you're like, man, that is outstanding. I mean, my, Matt Chapman's hurt. He's pretty outstanding. Everything else on that team is just above average. It's like that Kansas City World Series team. Nothing grand, nothing, uh, man, that guy's on the bump today. We're not getting hits today. Like the the Sean Manea thing didn't even pitch. Uh, we crushed their top guy in Jesus Lazardo. Um Bassett's good, but we were getting hits off of him all night long. You know, just just – Decent players, not great players, and I think they just play at a level that it's hard to beat uh, in a 60-game season. I think they almost won 40 games this year, maybe won 40 games, and then you know they just overtook us in these three games. If we had a strong pitcher in the third game, we probably would have beat them, but I don't think the Astros can line up. They just have, what, uh, Grinky, who's not as good as he used to be, and Arkady, whatever his name is. And Lance McCullers is fine, but nothing really that is like, oh man, those guys are good. Because if you look at their averages this year, as opposed to their you know cheating averages, of course they've fallen off the table. Uh, Bregman's a decent player, pretty good, but otherwise the guys who were there in 2017, mm, not the guys that are there yeah. in 2020. At least the bats are not there anymore. So. I'm not too impressed with that Astros outfit. And, of course, I want them to lose every single game that they do, except for when they play versus the team that I don't like. Absolutely. And, you know, the Astros thing, I think the Twins largely choked that away and gave that to them, to be honest with you. I mean, I think if the Twins play a, a, a tightly contested ball game like they played against the White Sox all year or against the Indians, I think the Twins come out victorious in that series. They didn't put their best foot forward in their series loss to the Astros. So I, I think I like the A's too. I think their right-handed pitching uh, profiles a little bit better um, against a right-handed heavy Astros lineup. Um, you know, Frankie Montas and Bassett, you know, Bassett, again, we pitcher of the month and he, he 
he wasn't great against the Sox, but you know he knows how to get people out. And you know they're mm-hmm. they're, they're playing in Los Angeles, where if you believe in if you believe in in, in God or baseball gods, uh, two different things. But you know playing in, in the Dodgers Stadium, uh, you know the team that they that they uh, cheated against. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know if you believe in any 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 sort of uh, presence from from above uh, or you know. Uh, from the outer realms, I guess maybe that's a factor too. Like you know, a little, little bad karma coming in their direction. But you know, the A's just you know they they put the bat on the ball, they pitch, they play defense. Like you're always going to have a chance, so that would not surprise me. Uh, so I'm going to go on ahead and, and pick the A's too, and I'll be rooting for them because they said very nice things about the White Sox on their way out too. So and Bob Melvin, you know, it, it would be nice if if the A's got their got their World Series out of the way this year because they've been suffering for so long in the postseason. Wouldn't that be nice, by the way? Um, so yeah, it, it would it would be so baseball for this funny year to culminate with the A's winning a World Series for no reason, <laughs> um, and then we could play the what if game all season long, all off season about how the you know if the White Sox would have beat them, they could have won. Um, other series uh, starting tomorrow: Yankees and Rays, seven o'clock. Uh, they're playing in San Diego. Uh, who do you like in that series, and who are you rooting for? I like the Rays in that series. And I'm rooting for the Rays in that series. I mean, there's look no further than our guy Blake Snell. That's right. Yep. If I get the Rona, I mean that guy with that whole diatribe he had while playing games on Twitch made me an instant fan of his. And he's a stud pitcher. They have what it takes to take this whole thing. Like if there's a team out there that could beat a team like the Dodgers. It is the race. They have everything you need to compete, um, especially top-notch pitching. So, yeah, they think they played them 10 times this year, and the Rays won eight of the 10 matchups during the regular season, which doesn't mean anything in these games. It's five games in San Diego, um, and they'll be playing at night. The Marine Lair will be there. So that benefits the pitchers in this regard. So the Marine Lair is just a thick air that just uh, leaps uh, makes balls hard to get out of that ballpark. But you saw the other night, the Padres had no trouble with the Marine Lair um, versus the Cardinals. But the Rays have stronger pitching than the than the uh, Yankees, even though the Yankees have probably the best pitcher going in the series in Garrett Cole. So I'm going with the Rays, and I'm also cheering for them to win this series. Yourself? Yeah, you know um... – our guy Carl Martinez, big time Yankees fan. It, it's hard to make any case to to make a Yankees fan happy. They've certainly had their share of success in anyone's lifetime. Um, you know, in a short series like this, you know, I, I man, that's going to be a great matchup. Uh, Garrett Cole versus uh, Snell. That that's going to be one I'm looking forward to watching too. And also just the oddity of them being in a different location. You know, it's it's going to be pretty weird and cool at the same time. Um, I'm going to go ahead and pick the Yankees because. You know, they bashed the brains in of the Indians who came in with one of the best pitching staffs in all of baseball. And they just they, they beat him around like a rag doll in their in their short series there. So as much as I would like the Rays to win, I think the Yankees will win. And, you know, if our guy Carl is happy, then I'm happy ultimately at the end of the day. So uh, I, th- I have the Yankees in that one. Um then Tuesday, uh, a little more. T- uh, everyone's in action, seemingly uh, Braves Marlins. Uh, does anyone give a shit about this series? Uh, one o'clock, one p.m. on Tuesday, Braves and Marlins uh, get it going. No. Yeah, do you care at all? Do you have any inkling? Do you, are you rooting for any of these teams? You know what I'm rooting for personally is for the whole <laughs> the Marlins. They've never lost a series in the postseason. <laughs> I, I I want that narrative to go away. If if not anything, just for that. But in my limited time seeing the Marlins, uh, I don't know. How they beat the Cubs, I don't know how they got into the postseason. Obviously, they can pitch and they play defense and they they'll they'll scratch it and claw with you. But I think I like I, I want to see the Braves win because Marcelo Zuna with the selfie after the home run. Oh my God, it's one of my favorite things I've seen all year. Do you have a team you're rooting for, and who do you think will win this Braves and Marlins matchup? I mean, I have no interest in either of the teams, but for selfish reasons. For the next series, I want the Marlins to win so they can continue that that narrative of they've never lost a a playoff series. Oh, God. And there's no rooting interest. I know I think T-Flo is still over there with the Braves, but I didn't like him too much when he was the White Sox. Um, 
but I don't think there's a person over on the Braves that I was like, okay, yeah, that guy used to be a White Sox, and I liked him. Let's root for that guy. No, um, the Marlins just – I don't know how they beat the Cubs either. The Cubs are far superior in talent, but they didn't do anything. They shut the Cubs hitting down like most the uh, most teams in the National League did this year. Um, that Sixto Sanchez, Sanchez thing, oof, that's going to be a thing. And maybe that's the new Josh Beckett. Yeah. They just ride his arm to a World Series championship in the 2020. Why not? Why not the Marlins? Uh, we gave them a lot of crap. I personally gave the Marlins a little crap. I, I did too. They almost they almost toppled the whole thing. Uh, they almost to- yeah. toppled the whole house of cards for the baseball season. Like I still have a little bit of like, come on, man. Like like it yeah. came so close to this thing unraveling because of one team's negligence. But to their credit, they were able to churn their roster and field a competitive team. And not only that, but just advance to the postseason. It's pretty pretty remarkable accomplishment. But but still. Uh, I think I'm still rooting for the Braves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and so I'll go for the Marlins in this one. I'll root for the Marlins, even though I think the Braves are a far superior team. I think they are, too. Um, and finally, uh, Dodgers-Padres, Tuesday, 8.30 p.m. from Arlington. From Arlington, Texas, Dodgers-Padres. Uh, who do you like? I think I know. And who do you mm-hmm. think will win this series? The Dodgers are by far the best team in baseball. It's not close at all. I'm rooting for the Padres, of course. I think the Dodgers will win in four games, though. Oh, okay. And I'm thinking I'm thinking Clevenger's going to come back and pitch one of those. The only reason I'm picking the Dodgers uh, for, if the Padres had their full arsenal of pitchers with the Nelson Lamette, uh, Mike Clevenger, the uh, Paddock, and then Davies. They said Clevenger was throwing a, a very, very uh, intense bullpen today, so they think maybe yeah. he'll go. So, so he might go, and that'll be the one game I think they'll win. But otherwise, they're gonna have to start out Paddock, and he hasn't had a great year. Um, Davies was decent in their start, and if they can't have another bullpen game, the Dodgers will feast. They have the best pitching staff and also the best hitters. So that's why I say the Dodgers are just. They're just a juggernaut that should win it no matter what. And uh, I'm rooting for the Padres, and that's why I'm rooting for the Marlins because I think that the Padres beat the Marlins. They would murder them. They would absolutely kill them. <laughs> and I don't know if that could say that same thing about the Padres versus the Braves. Yeah, you know, as far as this series goes, like it's it's really tough because uh, you know the the Padres are one of the most fun teams in all of baseball, but it's hard to watch them without thinking about the what ifs if you're a White Sox fan. You know, you we you know, even at the time, obviously the the whole Machado thing and then trading away Tatis, you know. You know, some jackass traded Tatis. You know, even with that, but you also it's like, okay, let's line up what the Padres are doing and line it up compared to what the White Sox are doing. Like they both had similar farm farm systems at the time and we it's sort of natural to track their their trajectory uh, over the course uh, of, of their rebuild. So, you know, it, 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 it seems like very much, uh, you know, uh, a slap to the White Sox when the Padres have success because they contributed so much uh, to the Padres' success by not signing Machado and trading away Tatsy. So it's, it's tough, but they are so much fun, and they're so young, and they have so much great energy on that team. But having said that, that doesn't mean a thing when you, when you have the best team in baseball uh, looking across from you. They have the best player in baseball and Mookie Betts uh, playing, you know, otherworldly. It was good for a three and a half war this year, and I, I like when teams get rewarded for making their team better each and every year. Like they've had so many bites at the apple, the Dodgers have, and they made their team better by by trading for Mookie Betts, and he's been so much fun to watch this year. And you know, I, I like to see that get rewarded, and I, and I and I think you know, uh, three games sweep maybe or, or in four, like you said, I could see it going either one of those two directions, but I don't think it'll be. Uh, a close series but yeah I like the Dodgers too and that series is probably to me the most interesting the most fun to watch so I think I'll have to mm-hmm. to, to have some extra caffeine uh, throughout the course of the day to stay up late for for some of those games uh, uh, to watch those so yeah I, I like those games I, I like the Dodgers in that series and I think ultimately uh, you know well I'll, I'll save the World Series thing as as we progress here uh, but we'll stick with with just this round of uh 
of uh, postseason matchups. But yeah, I like the Dodgers uh, advancing in that series as well. And then, of course, we'll take a look back at our season predictions and make fun of ourselves and, and see where we went horribly wrong. Uh, and you know, after the World Series is over, but we'll, we'll continue to follow the playoffs as they go along. And I'll be watching and. I know you'll be watching your Friar Faithful, but yeah, it should be an interesting postseason, very odd, different postseason as everything has been in 2020, but you know, uh, it should be fun. And I think it is easier to watch. I don't know if you, if you know, I don't typically watch a lot of out-of-town baseball when the White Sox are not in it or good or watchable, like, but this year's White Sox team sort of, you know, reinvigorated my 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 love for just sitting down and watching a, a baseball broadcast that wasn't White Sox related so like I, I watched that Padres Cardinals game on Friday night after getting home even a day after the White Sox getting bounced from the postseason I still thought it was, that game was interesting so yeah I, I'm looking forward to this postseason uh, perhaps like more so than any postseason that I can remember in recent years so yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to checking it out and uh, as I'm sure you are and we'll talk about fun things that we see transpire throughout the entire postseason we'll be back uh, with the next episode hope you're ready for the next episode hey on wednesday with our top 20 of 2020 which is the top white Sox moments of 2020 with audio accompaniments some of them uh great on the field accomplishments some things that happened before or after games quotes uh funny things that happened in the broadcast so it, it should be fun as we're gonna you know walk down memory lane and make you feel a little bit uh you know, ease the pain a little bit about the Sox not being in the postseason, but we'll walk you through our favorite moments. But other than that, that's all I got tonight, Herbie. All right, this has been our Mailbag Monday episode. We're going to do one next week, so if you want to participate, send us an email at LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. Like Mike Victor. Like John Kest, Like our guy Pete Hand. You can be on this episode, the next episode of Mailbag Monday. Just send us any any question you have, any comment you have. We'll read them. Doesn't mean they'll make the episode. So for Chris Tannehill, at Chris Tannehill, I am Herb Lawrence, at EctorWall23. And the show is at Locked on Socks, both on Instagram and on Twitter. Thank you for joining us for this Mailbag Monday edition of Locked on Socks.